All right, we want to greet everyone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're grateful to the Lord for everyone that's here. If you have your Bibles, let's go to the let's go to the twelfth chapter of the book of Luke. And we're going to start reading at verse 41. Is everybody there? The 12th chapter of the book of Luke, we'll start reading at verse 41. It says, Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us? Or even to all? In fact, let's, let's back up some so we can get the full effect of that. Let's go back to verse 35. So we understand what, what, what he's talking about, what Peter is asking. Verse 35, let your loins be girded about and your lights burning, and ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him how? Immediately. So you remember what we talked about before about having our homes ready? Uh, for company and uh, having a clean house and acting like and usually that's usually uh, the main reason why people get offended when people just show up at their homes is because they're not ready and instead of people just saying in their minds well I'm gonna just make sure that I stay ready so that you know I can receive company uh, it's really uh, they, they'd rather say well you know that's is inconsiderate for you to just pop up but when I was growing up, that was common, you know, and that was because people had their homes in order at all times. And so here we see a picture of this. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, there, I understand that there may be pro people that have a problem with that, you know, people just popping up. Uh, but those are the people that won't be prepared for when the Lord just pop up. Does everybody understand that? No, we don't, we don't make God bend to us and our uh, stuff, you know. We just read right here what he said there, that when he comes and knocks, you'll be, that you may open unto him, how? Immediately, and you ain't running around trying to pick stuff up out of the floor. You're not running around trying to clean up, trying to dust, trying to throw all the dishes under the couch. It's already ready. Now, this, that, that individual is last minute all the time, that's the way they'll be with the Lord. That's just, that's just throughout life. Last minute, just, you know, just barely putting in any effort, uh, uh, they'll have to stand before God and answer for that. That'll be how they, how you live naturally so, that's how you live spiritually so. If you were satisfied with C's and D's in school, you'd be satisfied with just getting by in your relationship with God. Does everybody understand that? So look what he says there, verse 36. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord. Everybody see that? Does everybody understand what that's saying there? You're waiting for him. Now, I, I just want to share just something with you. 
uh, to help you understand this. Some of us, and that's something that we, we as individuals may need to work on. Some of us, before we get ready to go somewhere, we, we coming out of the bathroom, walking out the door to get in the car. And that's, that's the wrong way to be. Does everybody understand what I mean when I say that now? You ought to be waiting. You, you took your shower and did your hair. You're sitting down, you're waiting. So if you say you want to leave at 5 o'clock, you can just get up and walk out the door at 5. You're not trying to hurry up and putting on your shoes in the car. You're not doing your hair when you're sitting out in the parking lot somewhere. That life, that life is the life that's going to be slothful for God. That life, it'll live like that even for God. Just barely, just, just barely getting ready. Just barely made it. Does everybody understand that? All right, so the Lord, so the Lord is saying we're supposed to be waiting on him. We're supposed to be waiting on him. Does everybody understand that? All right, so verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find doing what? Watching, verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch or find them so, blessed are those servants. So he's talking about the time of day. He's saying no matter what time he comes, the master comes, those servants are ready. Don't matter what, what time it is. And today, how does that play out? That, uh, that if the Bible tells the wife, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord, you're not having an off day. First, second, and third, watch you're doing it. You're not sloth, slothful in it. Does everybody understand that? The Bible tells the husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. You ain't, you're not not loving them because they've got a bad attitude for a day or two. When the Lord comes, he, you're, you're always the same, in other words. You're always ready. That's the idea of living for Christ. You're always ready. Does everybody understand? Now, how many of you wives uh, want a husband that's not always ready? And what do I mean? Sometimes he's your husband, sometimes he's not. Sometimes he's with you, sometimes he's with somebody else. How would you like it if your husband could check out like that? Sometimes he's married to you, sometimes he's not. Does everybody understand that? And so we, we can't expect, we can't, we, it's funny how we are as individuals. We, we act like Jesus Christ came here to serve us and to, to, to put us on a pedestal and to worship us. We expect for the Lord to be there at all times in midnight hour, no matter what time it is, I'm going to pray, I'm going to cry out, and he's going to come to me and do what I want him to do. But when he comes for us, what are we doing? What does he find us doing when he comes for us? That's the name of his message, the slothful servant. That word slothful means reluctance to work or make an effort. Laziness or failure to do things that one should do and know to do. Isn't that something? <laughs> So let's go ahead and keep reading. Verse 38, and it shall come in the second watch, and if he shall come in the second watch or third, 
are come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know, that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour, what? When ye think not. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> Wives, you ready to go back and be with the Lord when you're being submissive? But the Lord said, that ain't when I'm coming. I'm coming on the day you slipping. I'm coming in a day that you think that you think not. You're not thinking I'm coming that day. That day that you just going to let it all hang out and just bump this. I'm tired of this. That's the day I'm coming for you. Isn't that what he just said there? I'm coming when you think not. We all think he's coming when, we, when we're righteous. Lord, I've done good for a week. Lord, I'm, I've been submissive. Lord, I've loved my wife. I've done this. And the Lord said, that, yeah, I'm good for you, but I ain't coming just yet. If you're one of those people that like to slack, I'll come when you're slacking. <laughs> so look what he says. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think what? Not. Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us or unto even, even unto all? Isn't that good old Peter there? I know you ain't just talking to us. This got to be for everybody. Go and keep reading. And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so what? Doing. So he's saying, who, let's read that again. Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of meat in due season. That's talking about the Lord blessing you. If you're not faithful, if you're slothful, that, that cuts off the Lord's blessings from you. Does everybody understand that? Uh, it's a scripture talking about purloining. Does everybody know what that means? It, it, it comes right after it tells you to obey your masters according to the flesh. And it talks about not purloining. You know what that means? You ain't stealing time. If you work in a job, you ain't playing tic-tac-toe until 5 o'clock get here. When you're on the clock, you're on the clock. You ain't doing other stuff. If the people paying you, you working for the people. Now, so how does that equal out with our life with Jesus Christ? You, you, you can prolong with him as well. All of your time is his. You only, we don't get to punch a clock in Christianity. We don't get to punch a clock and just clock out and be like, well, you know what, bump it all. I'm tired. It's hard to live this life. You, you still in time. You don't get to check out and have bad attitudes when the devil brings you one. You don't, everybody understand, you don't get to just throw your hands up and just because you're having a bad day. You, you're supposed to be a believer at all times. And other than that, you're prolonging. You're still in time. Does everybody understand that? Let's go ahead and keep reading. Verse 45, but, and if that servant say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming 
and shall begin to beat the men servants and maidens and to eat and drink and to be drunken, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in what? Sunder. Uh-oh. Does everybody understand what that's saying there? He will cut him in a, in a Sunday. In other words, for those of us, now let me make sure that you all understand. Let me finish reading this and then we'll get to it. And will cut him in Sunday and will appoint, appoint him his portion with the who? So there's a, he's making a difference there. These people he's talking to are believers. But he's saying they will be appointed their portion with the unbelievers. What does that mean? The lake of fire. Is Jesus Christ a liar? Did he, do, does everybody understand what he mean when he said, I'm going to cut them in two? For everybody here that's under the sound of my voice tonight, and everybody that's watching this video or listening to this message, whenever, if you one of those people, you can flip-flop back and forth and live two lives, then that's how you're going to spend an eternity. Cut in two. You're going to be in two different places in hell. Does everybody get that? That's going to be your portion. You're going to be cut in two. The saved you when you're in front of everybody and the unsaved you when you're at home. If you live that way here, you live that way there. Does everybody understand that? If it's two of you here, it'll be two of you there. <laughs> I hope we get it. Verse 47, and that servant which knew his, listen now, which did what? Knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be what? Beaten. How? With many. Stripes. Uh, you know, we ain't got to cast this into eternity. This is talking about here. This scripture is talking about here. You will suffer. When I began to pastor the church in Louisiana, I preached a message. Um, the real reason Jesus wept. And I was preaching that message and I was saying how many people walk in unbelief. And they'll say, well, I believe in God, and, and, but the first, and when they get a little something going on in their body, the first thing they do is run to the doctor. They don't run to God. The same way with death. A loved one can die, and, and they say, well, I believe in God, and they, don't, they, they just call a coroner and the police, and they just come and let them just tote the body out. Ain't nobody praying to try to raise the body up or nothing. But they believe in God. And so after I was done preaching that message, Brother Junior got up and uh, he began to confess some things because he was taking this medicine that, that they wanted him to take for the rest of his life. And he said that he knew that that message was for him. Uh, and, he, and so I went home. He didn't go into a lot of detail about it. But when I, I went to his house after the message and he and I were sitting there talking and he was saying that he had had a vision. He said, this started about a week ago. He said, I was there looking in my medicine cabinet about, you know, and looking at the mirror at myself shaving, he said. And all of a sudden, the Lord made the mirror disappear, and I saw all of the medicine in my medicine cabinet. And then he turned around, and he saw the armor of God laying on his bed. 
And the Lord said, you got to put that on. He said, you know what it is and you got it, but you don't have it on. And the Lord was showing him, you're living a double life. You preaching faith, but you taking medicine for the rest of your life. You know better. You've preached better. And now you got to do better. And so he understood that he kept going down and down and down and down in his condition because he wouldn't look up and believe God. And so in that, when he was sharing uh, the, the general part with the congregation, he was saying, we're going to make the Lord beat us to death because we know the truth and won't do it. I believe it's on that, on that message at the end of it if you go listen to it. That was the first, it was like, that was the first I'd heard that. Something like that. We're going to make God beat us to death. Because we know the truth and won't do it. I, I can still hear him say that. We're going to cause God to beat us to death. Isn't that something? Now, you know, a lot of times when we read this scripture, you'd be whipped with many stripes. You know, you can, you can whoop somebody and whoop somebody. And as long as, so what happens if you're whooping a child and they just steadily shaking their fist at you? Are you going to say, okay, I, I, I gave you your five licks, you can go to your room. No, as long as they're shaking their fist, you're going to keep beating them. I'm going to whoop that fist. I'm going to whoop you until your will is broken. Or until you die. Now, God is in eternity. How much time you got to get it together? You ain't got to let God beat you to death. Now, this Bible means what it says. Does everybody understand? Look what he says. And prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with what? Many stripes. But look. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with what? Few stripes. Isn't that something? Even ignorance ain't no excuse, in other words. I'm still going to whoop you. You know why? Because at some point you need to wake up and realize you, something, something ought to click on you in your mind and say, you know, something's off. Let me seek God about what's going on. You know, that's what King David did. There was a famine in the land. He was trying to figure out what in the world, Lord. I know this ain't, this ain't your normal blessings for this kingdom. You know what the law said? It's for Saul's bloody house. He killed folks he had no business killing. You got to make it right with these people. Y'all heard the story. You remember me preaching on it. And so David went and asked the people, what, what do we have to do to, you know, to appease y'all? What did he say? Give us seven of Saul's sons. Give us seven of his offspring. And we're going to hang them before the Lord. Isn't that something there? But what was it? David was a righteous man, and he understood the blessings of God ain't flowing like they normally do. Or, even if you're used to your junk, everybody understand? Even if you're used to your foolishness, and that's just the only life you know, you ought to be able to look across the street and say, okay, this person ain't getting it like I'm getting it. They're not suffering. They're going about life, look like things are going well for them. What is wrong with me? Does everybody understand that? So it says, verse 48, in the 12th chapter of the book of Luke, but he that knew not 
and did commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be what? Does everybody understand that? You heard me say before, it's better not to sit under the truth. If you've heard it, and of course, if you heard it, you can't unhear it. You're going to be held accountable for it. So much has been given to you. Does everybody understand? And to whom men have committed much of him, they will ask what? The more. The more. Does everybody understand that? We're talking about slothful servants. Some years ago, when I was living in Louisiana, I was on, kneeling on the side of the bed praying to the Lord. And for whatever reason, I, I was made aware that the Lord had an angel to, to guard over me. And I'm not talking about just, you know, some angels like what folks, I really believe that. And, and I understood the purpose of this angel, not just to guard over me, but to, to, to deliver whatever messages maybe that the Lord has for me or whatever the case is. And so I was praying and I was asking the Lord, I said, now, Lord, I know that, this, that, uh, that, that the fellow is there because sometimes I can feel him. And my wife will, will tell you that, you know, there are times it's a very strange feeling right up in here when he's close to me. Very, very strange. And so I know he's there. And so I was praying and I was asking the Lord, I said, now, if you, if you got him there, you know, I, I sure would like to see him and what he looked like. And so while I was praying that, something told me to look up, and I looked up, lifting my head up off the bed, and I looked up, and there was the Lord standing in the doorway, just a regular size looking man. And then this being standing on side of him, I couldn't see his face because from his shoulders, his shoulders were at the top of the door. And he was standing behind it. And uh the next thing I knew, I woke up and it was morning time and I was laying on my side. Apparently, I just lost my breath or fainted or something seeing that. And so when, we, my, so when I moved, my wife and I, when we moved to Antioch, I, I was saying the same thing. Lord, if you're with me, I sure would like to see that angel being. And so I understood that sometimes they appear as light. And so there, uh, and several times, over the course of, 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 I guess, a month or so, I'd wake up or I'd just, just be laying in bed. My wife might be asleep, and I see this light up, up there near the ceiling. Just as bright, and, and I'd wipe my eyes because it's, you know, it's one of those things like, you know how you pray for something, but then you, when you see it, it's like, man, this is... So I, I just saw it there, and that happened, happened several times. I could see that light. It wasn't nothing, no, no lights on in the room. It, it was just there. And so when we moved here to this side of Tennessee, okay, Lord, if you're with me here, I've seen the angel. I've seen him in halo form and what he looks like. Show him to somebody else. And it wasn't long after we got here that one of the brothers sitting in the back back there said, Brother Bowden, you know I saw a light above you. So it was the Lord letting me know, I'm, I'm with you, and I'm, I'm here. Now, I'm not saying that from the standpoint of the Lord is with me, and his angel is protecting me. 
I'm saying it from this standpoint. If you believe that the Lord dispatches angels to guard you, why aren't you not ashamed to live for the Lord? Why aren't you not ashamed not to, to backslide and to talk back and to do those things that's contrary? Everybody pray for protection from God. And for the most part, we understand what that protection means. God dispatches his angels to guard us. But why aren't you ashamed of your double life? Does the angel just disappear when you decide you're going to do what you want to do? Does everybody understand? In other words, everybody wants protection from God, but nobody wants the monitoring. And if you believe what this word says about God's, his angels are sent to protect us and to watch over us, why don't you believe that they're there when you're back talking your husband? Why don't you believe they're there, husbands, when you're ignoring your wife? Why don't you children believe that they're there when you're doing things behind your parents' back? Does everybody understand that? And so, <laughs> we're supposed to be ready at all times, not slothful. The other day, uh, I was taking my son to work, and I looked down at his pants, and they had some kind of powdery stuff on them, something. And I was asking him, why are those pants dirty? Oh, because I had them around the dirty clothes in my room. And I said, boy, I don't, you got a washing machine and dryer. Don't you ever go to work with dirty clothes. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care if they got you digging ditches. I, I, it wouldn't matter to me if you were working in a coal mine. If you're coming home every day, you need to be going to work clean every day. And, you know, and sometimes we can excuse things. Well, they got, you know, they got me sweeping in the back. Or they got me lifting flour or something like that and it got over my clothes. Yeah, but they didn't, they didn't tell you to stay that way. Does everybody understand that? I say, as long as, long as them people have given you a job, if they've given you a job, they expect you to come to work clean. I said, if they hired you, they trust you. Listen, they trusted you to be around other people's food. I don't care if they got you working in the back. You go to work clean. Does everybody understand that? Now, they may not ever talk to them about that. They, in their minds, they may expect, well, you know, you're just going to the back. You're going to be working and cleaning and sweeping and, and, and doing things. You know, we don't mind if you got a little dust on your pants. I do. You represent my household when you leave it. So you don't get to just show up. I don't care if you work for them 100 years and they don't say nothing. I'm going to say something. You're not going to be slothful. Does everybody understand that? And God, that's the way God calls us up. God don't intend for us to be slothful. In, in, 
in, in our business. Does everybody understand? He don't intend for us to be slothful when it comes to the things of God. And that, that, that attitude, it, it just carry on and carry on, and you'll always be at the back of the line in life. You'll see other people passing you up, and you'll be trying to figure out, why am I not getting promoted? Why am I always lasting? Why am I, when are my blessings come? When your attitude change about the things of God. Does everybody understand? The effort that you put into something that you do shows where your heart is about it. Does everybody understand? My wife didn't know she liked beans until she moved up here, until we got married. You know why? Because when she was growing up, whoever was cooking the beans that she ate, they put the beans in the pot. Did they put salt and pepper in it? It didn't taste like it, she say. It's just beans and ball, beans boiling in water, and then on a the plate. So she didn't know she liked beans until she moved up here. And what was it? Did I cook them one time? You cooked them for me. Did I tell you how, to, how I wanted them or something? Or what made you cook them different than what you grew up eating? Either way, she cooked them. She put love in the beans. Beans and water boiling means I don't care nothing about it. I don't care. It's just beans I don't care nothing about. But beans with ham hocks and pigtails, that's some love. Because every store don't sell that. Everybody understand that? I'm talking to you wives. <laughs> yeah, just throwing some beans. You know, anybody can cook beans and just poke them with a fork. Okay, they soft, they ready. And I'm going to tell you about me. I don't like watery beans because I know that ain't love at all. You didn't do nothing but boil those. I like my beans thick. That gravy thick. When it's thick, it's done been loved on. Everybody understand that? <laughs> and we might not think it's that big of a deal. We may not think it's that big of a deal, but God pays attention to detail. I'm telling you, that little stuff that you just, just excusing, that little stuff that you just barely making your way through, at some point, you're going to have to grow out of that. Does everybody understand that? The Bible tells me, whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Isn't that what the words say? Do it with all your might. It ain't all your might if it's just beans in a pot. The grave is still watery. Does everybody understand? And you may think, well, Brother Bowen, why you get... Because that's your spiritual life. That's what you offer up to God. And listen, whether we know it or not, other folks will know it as well. Does everybody understand that? Last, last week, I think it was, 
I was talking about how the Lord liked what? Mashed potatoes versus what? And there was a sister here who was cooking mashed potatoes, and her daughter said, oh, mama, you cooking mashed potatoes just like Brother Bowden said. You know what that means? Our children are listening to these messages. Yeah, they listening. And whether we know it or not, we're training them based on what they see when they get home. We ain't got to say a word. Does everybody understand? Let's go to the book of Romans, the 12th chapter. Is everybody there? We're going to start reading at verse 9. It says, Let love be without dissimulation, in other words, hypocrisy, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is what? Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring what? One another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, doing what? Serving the Lord. Does everybody understand that? Not slothful in business. Does everybody see that? Let's go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 22, real quick. Is everybody there? Let's start reading it. Let's read verse 13. It says, The slothful man saith, There is a lion without, in other words, outside. I shall be slain where? <laughs> everybody know what that means? He's full of excuses. Full of excuses of why he can't obey. Full of excuses of why, why, I can't, I can't. It's impossible. Everybody see that? 
There is a lion outside. I shall be what? Slain in the streets. <laughs> He's not that individual. So if, if, the, if the slothful person is saying there's a lion outside, are they going to even try to go outside? So that's the idea. The, 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 the one that says I can't do it are the ones that said it's hard. They're not going to even make an effort to. Won't even make an effort. And the church is full of people like that. Let's go to the fourth chapter of the book of James. Is everybody there? We're going to read verse uh, 16. We're going to start reading verse 16. It says, But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is what? Evil. Therefore, now let's pay close attention. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? Does everybody understand that? You know it's a sin to you? God counted a sin when you've been told to do something and you won't do it? When you've been told something to do that's good and you won't do it? There are no excuses. And God don't accept Excuses. If you know to do something good and you don't do it, to you it is a sin. Does everybody understand that? My prayer is that we'll really hear that. We read earlier how God is going to split people in two. And appoint, and appoint them their portion in the lake of fire. He's going to split them in two. Does everybody understand? That's not God's will. It's not God's will. If you know to do something and you've been taught better, you need to do it. There are no excuses for disobedience. Does everybody understand that? What did we just read there? That servant that's going to be slacking off and partying and just doing what they want to do, just living according to their flesh and excusing their behavior and all of that. What did he say? That one's going to be beaten with many stripes. The one that knew his, his master's will and didn't do it, he's going to be beaten with many stripes. Now, here's the question you need to ask yourself. What do those stripes look like? 
Uh, it would be, uh, you know, I, I feel like this. The Lord have allowed the devil to come to this earth to trouble mankind, but for the purpose of us running to him for salvation. That means that there are going to be some things we go through that we can't help. There are going to be some things we go through that God is going to allow. Now, if you don't believe that, go to the book of Job. God allowed Job's children to be killed. He allowed Job to have scabs all over his body. And he must have been in really, really bad shape because the Bible says when, he, when his friends came to visit him and they were far off and they saw him, as they got close to him, they just all dropped to the ground and put ashes on their head and just sat there for a whole week and didn't say a word because they could not believe that their friend was in that condition. It was grievous to them. So they saw him and couldn't speak, or couldn't say a word for a whole week, just sit there, sat there looking at him, just in, in disbelief. And God allowed it. And there was nothing Job could do about it. So if we know that we're going to be troubled in the flesh. We know that there are going to be times when we're tested and things like that, and God's going to allow it. Why do we need to add more to it? Why add more to what the devil's going to do? Why, that, that, that will never make any sense to me. Why help the devil out? Does everybody understand that? I'm a living witness and I believe this. When you love God, God's gonna get your best. And that's in every area of your life, not just among believers, not just in your Christian walk, it's all your Christian walk. Does everybody understand that? And you heard, you know, the example we use, the sock in the middle of the floor. That's your Christian walk. Just everyday life, that's your Christian walk. Does everybody understand that? Why not give God our best? I believe he deserved that. I believe he does. And the Lord wants us to do better than what we've been doing. Does everybody understand? God don't want us to be slothful. I'm going to read that definition again. It means reluctance to work or make an effort. And people make up all kinds of excuses when they don't want to do something. They just throw their hands up and say, well, I can't do it. In other words, they forfeit life. The second part of the definition says, a failure to do things that one should do for whatever reason. I believe this. If you're going to do something, you ought to do it with all your might. You ought not to halfway do things. And people will go on a job interview in a suit and a in a suit and tie. How many of you seen in this in this generation how children go to school? Flip flops, hair all over the place, 
They ain't fixed up in no kind of way. It look like they just rolled out of bed. And some folks even come to church that way. It look like I'm just here. Just be glad I'm here. I just rolled out of bed, but I'm here. Uh, with pajamas, look like pajamas on. Now, I don't believe that we have to wear a suit and tie to come in the presence of God, but I believe we ought to be decent. I, everybody understand? I believe you ought to dress better than what you dress for your job. And it don't matter what people are getting hired for. They can be getting hired to dig ditches, to take trash out. They're going to show up at that interview in a dress tie and shirt and pants and dress shoes. Because they're wanting to give their best effort. But isn't that something? That's what we do with the Lord. When the Lord come into our hearts, we praising him, we giving him our best effort. And then life happens and we find out it's not as easy as what we think. That, you know, now we have to actually deny ourselves and crucify flesh. And what do we do after that? I'm going to show up in pajamas. I'm going to show up and, I, and I'm talking about our attitude. I'm going to show up not looking like anything. That's not God's will. Some of us, we've been in relationships where we've seen how people have put forth effort to do something. And we know whether or not it's love there. We can tell in our relationships, in our marriages or whatever it is, how the person feel about us because if we look at what it is that they've done for us and in what manner they've done it. And God is the same way. He observes what we're doing for him. He observes the attitude in which we do it. And he observes how we are doing it. And we can't lie to him and say, well, Lord, I, you know, I do love you. I did cook you beans. Yeah, yeah but you didn't, you didn't put, you, you know I like ham hocks. And, and I like pigtails in my beans. But I, I didn't have time. Okay, so yeah, you, and why didn't, you had time, but why didn't you do it? Because you love something else more than you love me. And I believe we have to get to the place where we don't have any idols in our heart, that God is number one. And I'm telling you, your relationship with God, I'm telling you, it affects your everyday life, things that you don't think have anything to do with God. When you walk with God in a spirit of excellency, that's what you require all around you. That's what you require of yourself in every area of your life. And everything that you do, do it as unto the Lord. That's what the Bible tells us. If I'm mopping the floor, I'm doing this for God. If I clean toilets, I'm doing it for him. If we don't have time to tell God what we don't like. And that's what we have to wake up out of and get ourselves out of. It doesn't matter what you don't like or like. You can't live life just putting all your effort into stuff that you like doing. That's what children do. You're, if you're a grown or you're an adult, you, you should have been taught better. 
If you're going to do it, do it with all your might. It, it ain't about what you dislike. You, you're going to live the rest of your life having to do something that you don't like. But, it all ought, but it's got to get done, and it all ought to be done with the same amount of effort, as much as lives within you. If, since God gave us his best, God didn't send Abraham to die for us. He didn't send King David. He didn't send Saul. He didn't send Solomon. He gave us his best. And that's the least we can do for him. Does everybody understand? Let's give up that slothful spirit because it's a wicked spirit. It is a wicked spirit. It tells God, I don't care about life. I don't like, even like the life that you gave me. Some folks sitting in this room don't like cleaning toilets. But there's some folks that's living now that don't have a toilet to pee in. When they use the bathroom, they got to use leaves to wipe themselves. They got to go squat, squat in the woods somewhere. So don't you, don't you bring that pride and arrogance in God's face. If he gave you a toilet to, to be able to use the bathroom in, you ought to be glad to clean it. If he blessed you with a roof over your head, you ought to be glad to sweep and mop and whatever else it takes to maintain it. You ought not to have a bad attitude about anything God have blessed you with. Listen, we continue to gripe and murmur and complain. We can lose those things. Most of you ain't never had to go use the bathroom in the woods. How many of you know what it's like to, to have to walk around and make sure there ain't no snakes nowhere so they don't jump up and get you? Yeah, you've always had a pot to pee in and a window to throw it out of, like the old people used to say. So until you've lived that life, I don't, want to, don't you complain. God don't want to hear that murmuring. Does everybody understand that? Let's be thankful to the Lord. Let's, be, let's give him our best and not be slothful in the things that he's blessed us with. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this message, Lord, that you've preached to us. And Lord, we ask that you will help it to go into our hearts, Lord, and bring forth fruit, Lord. Lord, I pray that you will help us to see ourselves in the areas, the things that you've said to us tonight. Help us, Lord, not to be slothful. Help us to maintain, Lord, and give our all in those things that you have blessed us with and, and the things that you have commanded us to do. Help us, Lord, not to have a bad attitude about serving you. Help us to be thankful, Lord, for our salvation. And we'll give you the honor and the praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
All right, that's all now. If the Lord will, we'll go to the back and discuss, have a discussion real quick, uh, and, then, and then we'll dismiss after that.